This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. The following episode of TOEFOP is rated M.A. It may contain Batman references, time travel references, sexual references, lost trains of thought, and mild coarse language. TOEFOP advises that the program is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who enjoys succinct, coherent conversation that might actually have a point. Minors must be accompanied by a parent, guardian or priest. This is John Deke speaking. Everyone relax. This is Tofop. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. Did you say everyone relaxed last time? Yeah. That's I always do. That's how I open the show. I know. And yet it came as a surprise to me. I'm, it Will, was An- the way, I'm Will Anderson. It was the way. The way I, you said it. Yeah. It was a much more relaxed introduction than what I normally do. You were like, I am relaxed and I am the universe. I am in some ways in this moment, everyone. Yes. <laughs> and so I'm telling both everyone and myself to relax or I'm hoping that everyone can achieve the state of relaxation that you have. You're like a guru. Yes. You're like a meditation you know, leader well, this or is, a, this is a, fir- a Ram Dass style <laughs> figure. A guru. A guru. This is the this is a first for a TOEFOP, I think, because it's the first time ever where we've done back-to-back recordings, but we've had a significant... Break in the middle, we've done back to back, we'll have maybe like, you know, half an hour off or whatever, but we did other things. I went to the pub and got some lunch, he took the dogs out. So we've had like a couple of hours to sort of recharge and I'm feeling much more like episode one or the first episode we did, warm up. (laughs) Well, so I, yeah, so we did do things. I think it probably is the first one where we've had like chores and stuff in the middle and separate things. I think perhaps sometimes we've done things together and then gone and done another episode but yes you went off on your own adventure yeah. and i went off on my own adventure i had to go and get some dog pills because i'm addicted to dog pills <laughs> <laughs> you're using your dogs as a patsy so you can get some of that sweet sweet dog valve i had to go and get some dog pills and then go and sell some dog pills <laughs> down the park. crush them up you snort half and sell the other half to pay for the pills you just bought charlie's been to the pub i've got some dog pills snorted some dog pills <laughs> Sold the rest of my dog bills. The thing is, they're anti-inflammatories. <laughs> so, well, one of them is. One of them actually is an anti-inflammatory, so it would probably be fine for me to take it. It's a supplement mm. to help with uh, you know, arthritis and stuff, so it probably wouldn't harm me. The other ones are for itching, Oh, like for you know, skin sensitivity. So I don't really have skin sensitivity, so I don't think they would have any particular effect. But on maybe... You can get a high from it. Maybe there's a, like a side effect from... Like if I was just like, oh my God. Like normally I don't feel itchy, but right now I feel so not itchy. <laughs> like dude, you've got to... You don't, you don't know what it's my like. My baseline was zero, like, but I'm less than that. You used to... I used to think I knew what it was like to not be itchy, but dude, drop a couple of these <laughs> and you have never felt less itchy. Not itchy. You know how feeling itchy is terrible? This yeah. is like the complete opposite of that. What's the opposite of itchy? Not itchy. Not itchy. <laughs> but it's not really. There's no... Not itchy is just an absence of itchy. It's not the opposite of itchy. The opposite we'll of itchy explore, is... But let's explore itchy a bit deeper and see oh. if we can find like an antonym for it. So itchy is about irritation. It's kind of... Would you say... I'd say with itch, there's a slight pleasure factor to it. 
because scratching an itch does feel good. So it's kind of an irritation. Well, an itch you can scratch is fine, right? That yes, there is some pleasure in an itch you can scratch. Mm. To live your life without ever experiencing an itch you can scratch would be to live a life torture. So, I however, guess... in Winnie's case, who needs the the pills? Um, she gets obsessive about her itchiness and then like does herself damage. So she'll, you know, get obsessive about like, cause I think I, because in a way it does feel good, but then the itch doesn't go away. Mm. And then she'll get to the point where she's like, you know, like, you know, actually getting an infection or like opening herself up or whatever. So th- I don't think that's pleasurable. That no. feels like. So what would the opposite be? It's not just because. The problem with not itch is it's passive. I'm just wondering if there is a, is there a way that you can be the opposite of itchy? It's like, I guess it's no itch. There's no opposite to. There's no opposite to itchy. There is only an absence of itchy. Scratchy. Yeah. <laughs> itchy and scratchy. Well, I guess technically, right? But they're, they're a duo. Yeah. They work together. You can scratch yourself without an itch. But it's much better to scratch yourself if you have an itch, right? So you need an itch to scratch. Does scratch exist with that itch? You can scratch without itch, but it's rare that you would. Yeah. Like, what's the purpose of it? Like, why would I scratch myself other okay. than there is an itch? So in that case... But I could at the, any stage, I could scratch myself. But is it the opposite of a scratch? Uh, is a scratch opposite of an itch? Because think about it, like... The Joker doesn't exist if Batman doesn't. Batman creates the Joker. There needs to be an antagonist. So for when the itch arrives, it by its nature creates its own antagonist, which is the scratch, because the scratch can stop the itch. But also the scratch can make the itch stronger. Okay, so <laughs> I, like, I like what you're thinking. <laughs> I, I'm not sure that that's foolproof, but no. I, like, I like some of the logic there. But you can... Thematically, there's some links. You can, you can scratch yourself without it being itchy. You can accidentally scratch yourself, you know, ah, for example, yes, you know, like, right? Yeah. So scratches don't have to be on purpose. You yes. could accidentally scratch yourself yes. or you could get a scratch. Your cat could scratch you, you know, yeah. a scratch can be put upon you by nail. somebody else. It's rare and each is bestowed upon your boat. Oh, well, no, no, I guess that's not true. Because I guess you could get itchy from like an animal or from yeah. an external environment. <laughs> factor hay fever you know the environment can cause an itch in you yeah so that's an unpleasant itch like an itchy throat or those sort of things yeah and that's not cured by a scratch either is it an itchy throat well i guess the difference is that a scratch cannot exist i know scratch can exist without an itch so they are the same a scratch can exist without an itch and an itch can exist without without a scratch scratch. (laughs) because an itch can go away without being scratch but a scratch well, scratch. So they're separate, but yeah. together they're more than what they are separate. The problem is there's two interpretations of scratch. One is a, a is a, 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 a like a um, is a an action. You are actually taking an action to scratch. One is a verb, and one is a noun. You have a scratch. You are scratched. Well, then there's the other. Yeah. Well, then there's the other meanings of scratch, which are to. Like cancel, you yeah. know, the, the, the race was scratched or the yeah. competitor was scratched from the race. Money. A bit of scratch. Get a bit of scratch, trying to get a bit of scratch together. And of course, record, you can scratch like as a DJ. Yeah. Like if you're down there, you know, those, those records aren't itchy. <laughs> that's, not, that's not the reason that DJs, 
the, the first DJ, it's just record was itchy. And he was just like, give me a little scratch. Oh, hang on, I've invented something. So the story being, we've had some time off and this is what we've come up with. Five minutes on itchy and scratchy. Itches and scratches. Um, so yeah, I got the dog pills. Did a, a small amount of shopping because I'm... Uh, it's my night off and I'm you're you're off to catch up with a friend and I mm. am uh, planning a night on the couch watching football and eating some, you know, tasty food. So I thought I'll go and get those supplies. Yeah. So then as soon as this podcast is done, I've walked the dogs, I've been to the vet, you can I've done in. my chores. Like I'm just I'm I feel like this is I'm I'm more relaxed. When you say everyone relax, you're certainly speaking to me. Yeah. Because I now know that it's essentially this and then I'm done for the day. And this isn't really like work. But when we were doing the first episode, I still I knew I, knew I still had to do those yeah, chores yeah. and stuff. It's still kind of ha- holding over you a little bit. You can't quite fully relax into it. Yeah, that so, makes perfect. And that makes perfect sense. We should also say uh, the reason we are in the same city is we're doing uh, the Weekly Planet. By the time people hear this, we will have recorded our live show with the Weekly Planet uh, at the Rivoli. Uh, but this is the first time you and I have both done the Weekly Planet together we've done it separately we're both fans of the show i'm wondering because i've said to you once that when i listen when i've listened to myself on the weekly planet my concern is i like that show so much i kind of get irritated that i'm the third person on the show who's breaking the dynamic that i love yeah and and my plan for the live broadcast is to just be annoyed at you for ruining my favorite show (laughs) yeah you're not actually going to say anything but you're just going to tell me to shush shush (laughs) (laughs) That's what I'm going to do for the entire hour is every time you go to interject when Meso's on one of his drifts and you go to say something, I'm just going to lean over to you and go, shh, shh. I dare you. (laughs) That's my entire contribution. And I think it will be one of the most popular guests they've ever had on the show. Because I think much of their audience is like us. In that they don't want the guests to get in the in the middle of their you know, the way in, the, in the middle of the flow in the middle of the flow. So you're going to try to get in the middle of the flow, and I'm going to make sure you don't. That's that's I'm your I'm going to tag you in a football sense. I'm going to be your opponent, and my only job you're is my, to, you're my cooler. My only job for the entire podcast is to make sure you don't interject and fuck it up. And I think everyone will be happy with how it goes. They say, it doesn't matter, Will. It doesn't matter if you didn't get one gag out as long as you minimise Charlie's gags. Right, it doesn't matter. They've got yeah. enough gags. Limit his influence. They don't need extra gags. Just whenever he tries to speak, shh. <laughs> <laughs> now, we left off the previous episode uh, talking about Keanu Reeves and we said that we'd revisit the career of Keanu because after delving deep into... Is John Wick and The Matrix in the same universe? We started to wonder about other Keanu movies. So I have found an article which is the essential Keanu movies according to uh, Wenli Ma at the Herald Sun. Wenli Ma. Yeah. Okay, nice. This was written, I don't know, uh, recently, June 29th. There's no doubt the world is going through a bit of a Keanu Reeves thing. And by thing, we mean full-blown love fest. Uh, yeah, nice. I'm glad they uh, actually clarified what they meant by thing. Because I, I was unclear. Because thing is, yeah, thing could be a lot of things. Yeah. We're going through a Keanu Reeves thing. It could be like we're going through a Harvey Weinstein thing. Oh, yeah. You know. Oh, God, wouldn't that just... I, I may 
like just check out a life if that is revealed at one point if there is a Keanu Me Too thing it's like oh no no it's the, it's the opposite really? he well we're talking you know when you were talking about the opposite of itches and scratches <laughs> so Keanu there's stories that have gone around that he oh, doesn't yeah. even he touch is people the opposite of Me Too yeah exactly he touches people in their hearts yeah he touches people in their hearts but not with his hands and when he poses with photos he leaves his hands a respectful five centimeter gap behind pe- people's back so he's not even like touching them in their photo. The only thing you hear about Keanu Reeves and pot plants is that he's planted a whole bunch of them for an orphanage. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks to the trifecta of new releases, John Wick 3, Always Be My Maybe, I haven't even heard of that film, and Toy Story 4, there's been an explosion of Keanu-ness. Always Be My Maybe. Yeah, what's that one? Is that a film with Ali Wong, and it's a uh, Netflix yeah. film, and it's a cameo he does, and right? it's a par- yeah. So that that's a, technically a spoiler because oh. um, it's a it's a kind of one of those great cameos that if you don't know that he's going to be in it, works a lot better. What I love is that there's a transcript of that. Like you could have like uh, Keanu Reeves is in it, and then you could have an asterisk, and then you go down the bottom, and it just says spoiler <laughs> next to the asterisk. <laughs> So you can spoil everything as long as you footnote it. Spoiler. It's it's such a tough one for a movie where one of the great surprises is... So um, what's the zombie movie? Zombieland. Yep. Right? And there's a, a great cameo in that film by a res- very respected... Why are you protecting bloody Zombieland? It's like 10 years old. Okay. Well, Bill Murray. The, the, when Bill Murray is in it at the yeah. end, it's brilliant. Particularly if you don't know that Bill Murray is in the movie. Yeah. And then when he turns up, it is just so funny. And it's one of those ones where I bet they people wanted to go, Zombieland, and also Bill Murray's in it. Like yeah, That would yeah. be a good way to sell the movie. Yeah. But at the same time, you don't want to tell people that Bill Murray's in it because one of the great joys of that movie is suddenly going, oh my fucking God, Bill Murray's in this. I didn't feel... Because I heard about the Keanu cameo and I feel like those people were more protective of the Bill Murray cameo than they were of the Keanu cameo. They yeah. used it as a selling point, I reckon. Okay, maybe. Maybe. He's also apparently... Maybe it's the Netflix thing where people think, well, it's out now on Netflix. Everyone's had the opportunity to watch it. Yeah, I think you get like one week on Netflix. I think four weeks in cinema, one week on Netflix. Like Stranger Things. Like people kind of like... I think... I feel like they gave Stranger Things like a week. Yeah. And I'm glad I crammed it because there is that's a big spoiler, sort of. Have you seen it? (laughs) Never going to watch it. Okay. Not a fucking chance that it will ever... The second series is not good. I watched half of the first series and went, what is everybody talking about? This is terrible. <laughs> oh, really? Oh. Oh, uh, you know oh. what? It, like, the... And I've basically hated anything those children have rocked up in. Oh, Like, no. oh, just... I do get that. I did sort of I did sort of tend to jump at one point and say, I hate every character in this show. Oh. Apart from uh, uh, the cop. No, nah, not even. Oh, really? And I, he's fine, but I don't even get like the fact that people are so excited about that. They're like, oh, he's going to be Hellboy. Hopper. It's going to be great. I was like... Hellboy's good. Is it? The new one. Yeah. I actually... I had so many people say it was terrible. And then I saw it and I was like, this is actually... Like, it's not good. Sorry. <laughs> it's like that, Matt. What I mean is, it's the opposite of good. It's not good. It's scratchy. But it's really enjoyable, if that makes any sense. Like, it's just, it's a... I, I read one review that said it's like a like an 80s heavy metal album cover 
you know, come to life. And I'm like, I get that. Like, it's really just about like, it's, I don't know. There's something about the Guillermo del Toro ones are kind of beautiful to look at and stuff, but this feels much more visceral and just a bit more chaotic. Like it's more violent and weird and, and twisted, but yeah, I don't know why they needed to make another one. I don't, I don't like, I like Hellboy, the comic books, but I never felt like we need to keep making these movies. I felt like everything that you were going to say happened in those first two Guillermo ones. I think um, I'm just going to check if that's my dog barking. All right. Okay. All right. The dogs have won. In the battle of human versus dogs, the dogs have won. They're in the studio and they're both on me. They psyched you out, man. They got you. The problem was, they well, they know what happens up here, Charlie. No, oh, yeah, they're gonna get some Keanu Reeves fucking trivia. No, they know. They 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 get now when I disappear with somebody else out the back here. That right. There's probably gonna be some podcasting going on, and um, they've realised that that is a great way to um, score free cuddles from yeah. uh, both me because I'm stuck in one position. And the fact that there's normally like, you know, if I'm doing like a philosophy or something, you know, they've got some fresh meat, some fresh stranger to yeah. like sit on and like just Someone demand attention. Yeah. So, and there's only me here at the house and has been for a while. And so when there's a second person here, they suddenly realize, oh, hang on, we can both get a bit of action here. Yeah. So like if we team up, if we just stop yeah. our bickering for one second, yeah, exactly. we can both get cuddles. Yeah. So at the moment, uh, Ramon is getting a back rub. Renona yeah. is sniffing around, sniffing around, kitchen, looking for any... food. Seeing we dropped nothing. No food up here. Here, no food. No food here. <laughs> no, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right, Renona. Here, no food. Look at me. Look at my chains. I'm look. I look good. Here. All right, that's a little reference to an Aussie film called Chopper. Uh, I was essaying the Vince Colosimo role as guy who has no money here. <laughs> And I replace the word money with food. There is, therein lies the, the joke, the parody, Will, if you will. Here, no food. No food here. Charlie. Shh. <laughs> All right. Keanu Reeves is also apparently one of the nicest people on earth. While he's often copped flack for not having a huge range when it comes to being a world-class actor. And how do you feel about that? I feel that... Once he learnt to stick in his lane, nothing wrong with not having a huge range. If you're like what you're good at, you're so good at. What do you need to? You don't need to be a jack of all trades when it comes to this. Yeah, there's certain sort of movies that we like seeing him in, and he's good at making those sort of movies. Well, you and Wenley are on the same page. Yeah, good on you, Wenley Ma. Because she says Keanu usually has the instinct to pick roles that are right for him and his talents. Yes, correct. Here we pick the nine essential Keanu Reeves movies. You need to have seen to call yourself a true fan. Okay. Are you ready to take this test, Will? <laughs> oh, boy. Um, okay. So do you want to just like guess randomly or do you want a clue of what each film is? A clue. Okay. The, the fun's in the clue and then people okay. can play along All right. home. And, this, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll see if I can test how well you know Keanu. Okay. Second ever action role. Second ever action role. <sighs> <laughs> think of well just reverse it think of his first what was his first one speed what was his first one okay not speed 
Yeah. Not speed. Uh, point break. What was your second one? Speed. There you go. <laughs> could you have not just given it to me when I said speed? Oh, yeah. You know, you've got, no, that is the you answer. Were, you had the right answer, but you were answering the right answer. My, my question was yeah. what was his second ever? Yeah, but, but the original question oh, was yeah, what's right. the name you of the win. movie, which I said. That was my guess. Like, I got the answer right. You were like, show you're working. I can't believe I failed that audition for start of the century. <laughs> Charlie, we liked your audition, but you kept arguing with the contestant and you were wrong every time. <laughs> you were making up your own questions between our official questions. <laughs> All right. So in speed, Keanu is just a goddamn hero. As the LAPD bomb squad officer, uh, Keanu Keanu Reeves. No, it's a, it's a it's a generic name, but it sounds like an action name. So we'll start with the first name. What's Johnny, it? close. Jimmy, yeah. <laughs> Think about St Kilda. Uh, oh, oh, Jack. Jack. Oh, awesome. And surname Traven. Jack Traven. That sounds Jack like Traven. There's got there's a yeah syncopation or something to yep. that, right? He's he's gutsy, taciturn. What does that mean? Mm. Kind. And the target of a madman who strapped a bomb on a public bus, which will blow up when it drops to below 50 miles an hour. You have to think Dennis Hopper's Howard Payne, oh, P-A-Y-N-E. <laughs> I never noticed <laughs> that. A little on the nose. Subconsciously wanted to fail because there's no scenario where Jack doesn't save the day. Okay. With the help from Sandra Bullock's Annie Porter, a commuter who's lost her license for speeding. All right, so let's just recap. So the plot of speed is Jack Traven is a... Is he a maverick cop? He's not a maverick cop, but he's a guy who plays oh. by his own rules. What's going on? Winnie, have you hurt your leg? Has she hit her leg or is it just like she's pointing? Does she point with her paw up? Not like, it feels like she's just hurt it on the stairs or something. She feels a bit, so she's being gentle with it. Come here. Is right? Okay. What did you do? <laughs> did you jump somewhere? It's a ploy, Will, to get more cuddles. We've covered this. You all right? Okay, um, so our original, um, uh, sorry, sorry, <laughs> I'm just going to give you a cuddle and see if you're all right, you all right? So, so Ramona's had a go on Will's lap, now Winona's up there, it's definitely a ruse. Well, she looked like she had a sore paw. Yeah, but you'd do that, wouldn't you? You'd be like, oh, my paw's so sore, I'm going to need a cuddle. She hasn't done that previously though, so I'm worried that she... She's adapting. She might have had a sore paw. <laughs> um, okay, so... Speed. Speed. If we're working on the theory, because this is just, we're going through a list of counter to movies, right? Yeah. But the broader point here is that all these movies exist in the... Matrix universe. In the Matrix universe, right? So that line by uh, Yo-Yo Ma, what's her name? <laughs> Wendell Ma? Uh, Wenley. Wenley Ma. Ma. Wenley Ma is the fact that it's almost like the villain doesn't want to win. Ah, fuck right? yeah. Because everything that Jack does... He, he, he beats. Yeah, right? And there's a ticking clock, which is like a game. Right. So it's a simulation, right? Again, in that yeah. same way, is it's like him trying to achieve a series of tasks. But the truth is, no matter what the villain is, the villain actually is never set up to win the game. Yeah. You're always going to defeat him. The stakes will always increase. Yeah. But you will always... But you will always, no matter how implausible, pull off a solution to that problem. And there is a similarity in the sense that like Neo, John Wick and Jack Traven, they're all kind of sort of bulls at a gate kind of thing. It's right. like once they... so Because the way speed ends so is, you know, he finally 
gets the bomb off the bus and ends up on that train. And the final, like the final uh, confrontation is he's like, we're just going to make the train go as fast as we can. We're just going to like barge like a bull in a china shop. And that's the thing, his impulsiveness, his willingness to go, 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 go. So that's kind of like John Wick. John Wick is just constantly go, 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 go. Yeah. It's not a person who's sitting around like formulating a plan. There's someone who's just like, all right, let's just get into this thing. Yeah. And is there a kind of similarity in the sense that, well, it's almost like if the Matrix keeps recreating these new realities to keep the Neo, whoever Neo is, occupied, like, so in the Matrix, there's like a mastery. It's got a kind of almost um, Eastern philosophy influence to it about like the mastery of your skills and getting the Zen-like kind of, with John Wick, it's much more of just like a, a blood and guts grunt determination, you know, un, you know, unwillingness. And with speed, it's kind of like, it's more of a high octane, you know, they're giving him different scenarios, which, but the same path each time, right? Right. All Hollywood screenwriters write the same <laughs> screenplay. It's either a simulation wheel or there's a formula to screenwriting. Uh, okay. There's a chemistry between Sandra Bullock and Keanu Reeves that's sizzling with both revealing on Ellen recently that they secretly had crashes on each other oh, during filming. Oh, oh. What a power couple that would be. Oh. Would they be bigger than it? Like if Brangelina were probably like the pinnacle of power couples, right? Well, they were in their heyday. Yeah. Yeah. I'm would, fine with that. Would, would uh, Kandra, that doesn't work. Rulik? Sianu? <laughs> would that have worked? Kanandra? <laughs> No, it doesn't work just for that basic reason. We can't come up with a cute nickname for you guys. Canoondra. <laughs> Speed is dumb. 90s, 90s action. You're dumb. <laughs> you get insulted by the article. This article's dumb. Speed, Speed is dumb. 90s action thrills and it's both better and worse than you remember. Uh, but this is peak Keanu and you'll love every single moment except maybe for that unnecessary final act on the train. Thanks, okay. go fast. Pete Keanu, discuss. I don't think so. No, but I understand from a mainstream point Matrix of view. Matrix is Pete Keanu. Yeah, at this point. So far. Yeah, that's a good point. I'd say like Wick and, and Matrix in terms of like Keanu, Keanu-ness. Because what Wick has that, that uh, the Matrix doesn't. Like he's never going to get to have that sort of first breakout iconic, you know, will live forever through pop movie like, I mean, The Matrix is one of those movies like... Indiana uh, Jones or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. it's going to be referenced forever, around forever. No one's ever going to take away the idea of what that was at the time and, and what it became. And it doesn't matter that there were two yeah. absolutely terrible sequels and they're going to make new ones and whatever. It's, it's kind of cemented that point in history. Yeah. John Wick has not done that. Well, but John, John Wick has the capacity to do that no, if I it keeps... I don't think so. I think John Wick, because John Wick is much more generic... The Matrix is much more original. Here's what I would say, though, about John Wick is that they're still kind of doing the first movie. Yes. Like, so... It's ACDC. You're not quite sure what it might be after six of them, if you know what I mean. Fuck, you know what it could do? Because it could actually... Well, look what they did with the Fast and the Furious franchise. That started off as Point Break on Wheels, and then it just gradually grew and grew and grew. And now it's Hobbs and Shaw, which is like Tango and Cash. Like they just, it was almost like they didn't know what they had, but they knew they had something. So let's just keep making these movies right. and maybe it'll come to see us. How, see what, I mean, people seem to like, but let's just try it for others. Yeah, let's just keep adding actors to the lineup 
and seeing who hits. Oh, that's good. We've got The Rock. Of oh, course, cool. that, oh, that and Jason Peele. Listen to like Jason said, oh, those two are good together. Great. We've got a new film here. Right. As long as it's about family, guys. <laughs> Not about the family, the family guy. guy. <laughs> as long as it's about the family guy. <laughs> All right. Uh, the second film. Um, it's Death on a Stick. It's Death on a Stick. Don't go out there, mate. Oh, it's Death point on a break. Stick. Okay, point break. right. Uh, that slicked back wet hair. It's enough to make you blush and swoon. All right. As a young FBI rookie in Catherine Bigelow's surfing bank robbery thriller, Keanu's stupidly named Johnny Utah. Well, <laughs> what was the last one? Jack Traven. Jack Traven and Johnny Utah. Is an agent with shades of cool. Why is that such a stupid name? Was, did she say that Jack Traven was a stupid name? It's uh, no. no. I, said, I said Jack Traven is generically action hero. Yeah, it's, but it's, she it's made like no John comment McClane, on it, did she? Jack Traven. No, no. But, but apparently Johnny Utah is a terrible Johnny name. Johnny Utah is like calling yourself like Johnny Thunder. You know, like it's immediately... <laughs> it? Yeah, don't you reckon? Thunder's like a cool thing. Have you ever Utah, met anyone been to with Utah? a surname that has... The surname is the state of America? Yeah. Bill, Bill Kentucky? <laughs> Johnny Texas. Yeah, uh, yeah George Washington. They <laughs> <laughs> should have got the character George Washington. And he's just like in between like gunfights and stuff. He's having to explain, yeah, I know, I get it. Oh, yeah, I cannot tell a lie. Sure. I got to learn how to surf. <laughs> he's, a, he's an FBI agent who can't tell a lie. <laughs> Uh, when he's tasked with learning to surf, which the real life county still does today, because of course he does. I bet you fucking surfs on his own. He just goes to some deserted beach in yeah. like Mexico or something. But why like that. wouldn't you? That seems totally on brand for him to yeah. like. If you've learned to surf for a movie and now you can surf, like it'd be more unusual if you were like, you know, John Wick, he learned how to murder people. Yeah. <laughs> something he still does today in his private time. I thought you were going to say it's like John Wayne apparently. Oh, no, was it John Wayne or Clint Eastwood, one of them... Allergic to horses. Yeah, hated horses or something. He's allergic to being cool. I think John Wayne hated black purple. Yeah. <laughs> it was a different time. When he's tasked with learning to surf, to infiltrate a surfer community, he quickly befriends Patrick Swayze's Bodie, who happens to lead a gang of bank robbers that use the ex-president's face masks in their spree. Johnny discovers an affinity for the waves as well as surfer chick Tyler, Laurie Petty, tank girl, but is seduced by Bodhi's free-living lifestyle and weirdo philosophy. Was yeah. it a weirdo philosophy? Well, that was, I mean, I guess for a mainstream guy like Johnny Utah, he was a real sort of, you know, straight up and down. And then suddenly he's been it was seduced a, by the world of it was what a, you'd imagine is average okay. behavior for surfers. What, so Bodhi's philosophy yeah. was he believed that life was to be lived. Yeah. He was anti-establishment. He was anti-conformity. You've only got one life. So I'm just going to... Will not hurt anyone, but I am going to take advantage of this society to just fulfill my dream, which is constant stimulation and constant why, adventure. Why, why would I obey society's rules when I believe that society's rules are bullshit? Yes. And the fact that we keep obeying these stupid rules is the. I think the line in the film when Johnny whacks the cuffs on him uh, at Bell's Beach, Australia, he said, No way, man, I can't do it. I can't go to work each day in one of those steel coffins, talking about LA freeways. And there is like. I guess that's what makes Bodie good characters. You get it. You totally get it. You're like, yeah, absolutely sympathetic. Yeah. You're like, fuck the police, man. Fuck the police and yay Bodie. <laughs> so that's his weirdo philosophy. Is it that weird to be like, you know what, man? I just think, why are we all on this treadmill? Why have we all agreed to this set of rules where we all 
have to go to jobs nine to five to buy houses we can't afford and keep buying new things like shouldn't we just shouldn't it just be more of a shouldn't we have what more freedom is he an anarchist is that anarchy do not want that I don't, I don't think it's anarchy. I think it's a fair way from anarchy. Because anarchy is well, kind of... Well, if you had to fit it into like a popular political point of view or philosophy, what's it closest to? You'd know more about this than me. Oh, I don't know. I mean, it's... Is it liber- libertarianism? No. No. I don't, I, I don't... I actually don't know how you would classify it. Because it had a kind of... there was It was part hippie, part anarchy, part like... He didn't hurt people. That's no, the thing. They robbed banks, he had rules. But, Bad rules. And, you know, like you, you could argue, who are you sympathetic to? A group of vigilantes who are only attacking the, the banking system and the financial system okay. who have turned out to be the real criminals in the world anyway, or a fucking narc, an undercover fucking yeah. narc. So he, yeah, so they are like, the opposite. What? Some Tony people Utah fucking, is a company man. Yeah. G, total G-man. He's a G-man. He was a college Working for boy. the fucking man, enforcing the rules of the man. Yeah. And here are some people who see the bullshit this fucking world is, and all they want to do is surf and live and have a little fucking fun. They're like, everyone okay, has Okay, but does that justify them, like, robbing banks, people's hard-earned money, taking their savings? Not- they, die, they aren't taking anyone's hard-earned savings. They take the bank's money... And the bank then replaces it. Okay, it's not so like, it's, it's, okay. Not like it's okay that they terrorize the teller. Like, you know, they give her PTSD because they want to go ride waves. I mean, no. I don't think it is all right. No, absolutely not. The, I, I'm not saying there's a foolproof plan. This is, I'd love this scene in Point Break. Two surfers in the back discussing as on the way to a robbery. Like, just when I'm going, you know what? I don't know I 100% agree with this. Like, I understand the philosophy of it all, but I just don't know about the violence part. It yeah, how is it with the teller? With well, maybe they do something. Maybe it's just not in the movie, but they have some way of reconciling. Like maybe they leave money in her. Maybe the teller gets like a yeah, like a oh, donation. It is, donation a, it or is something. a kind of Robin Hood type philosophy, isn't yeah. it? Steal from the rich, give to the poor. Yeah, but, give, the, give but the poor are us. <laughs> a bunch of white <laughs> fucking like Venice surfers. Give to some skydiving instructors. Well, if you think about give what, to the guy who hired us the play. I bring you back to. Uh, when Bodie and uh, uh, Johnny Utah first meet, remember, is that fight scene at the shower where mm. um, the lead singer uh, of the Red, Red Hot Chili, Chili Peppers, Peppers, that would be a waste of time. We're just going to fuck you up. Um, so after Patrick Swayze comes to Keanu's rescue, he says to him, the way you reacted in that situation when you're confronted by those, those guys, you're like a pit bull. You didn't back, they didn't back you down a second. I like that. So that's something that Bodie looks for. That's something, that's one of his values is that he likes people who... Go after what they want. They don't back down under any kind of intimidation. So does that feed into what his philosophy is? Um, look, I don't know if we have a, a straight What about on. Che Guevara? <laughs> well, is he a revolutionary of some kind? But it's only a personal re- revolution personal that he's revo- really... Well, that's the only revolution that's possible, man. The revolution of the mind. You've got to free yourself. Yeah, but I think that if he he would need some sort of grander manifesto for me to want to be like a you know which is yeah the, to take it from common criminal just to like essentially we're just relying on other people to fund our surfing our surfing and skydiving like drugs yeah, and party lifestyle. Yeah, there's no higher. Okay, but that's where it isn't like libertarianism all about the individual. It's like, hey, why should I be fucking like? You know, paying taxes for this or that. I take care of my own. You don't have to put warnings on shit. If I fucking, you know, lose a finger to a power saw, then that's my own fault. She all right? This is the scratching. <laughs> I'm just observing. Okay. I was, yes, it is the scratching. I should, probably should give her some scratch medication. 
She's <laughs> when he's she's now just scratching while she's possessed by demons. Or break dancing. But that's it. She's using the rug to scratch her back. A good girl. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty graceful, isn't it? Yeah. This is why we need to video the podcast. The moments like this. I think that these, these would be the moments. Like, we have been talking about the idea and hopefully we'll find a venue to do it. But there is part of me that's like, maybe we just need to get some cameras for here because the dog-based content would actually be what <laughs> and people got people to watch. Dog people videos. love dogs. My God. No one listens to the podcast, but those fucking dog videos. <laughs> Mate, wait for hits. the dog. The dogs are the Kramer of it. <laughs> totally. Mate, just a round of applause. I don't want to spoil it, but there's a dog in it. <laughs> The dogs of the Bill Murray of this podcast. All right. So Johnny Utah's caught between uh, his widow philosophy, Bodie, but also the fact he's been sworn to, he's sworn to bring in the bad guys. What a dilemma. Bigelow's classic. Classic? I think it's a classic. In terms of, you watch it now and it holds up. Like those action sequences, the skydiving, the surfing. Does I it- think it's excellently... Um, it, it's it's a real template for yeah. how those movies are made well. How well, you can make well, one you, of those movies that, you look that's now, essentially a disposable movie but is actually well, a, the, a good movie. I w- if you look now, there's a scene in it, I think we've talked about it before, where Patrick Swayze actually learned how to skydive for the movie and there's a shot in it, which is one take, where it's him standing in the door of the plane and he drops out. You see him sort of like fall out of the plane. It's like, well, that would never happen. But if you look at Mission Impossible... And I think part of the reason those films are so popular is like, that's actually Tom Cruise doing something fucking crazy, as we discussed off air, 56 years old, and then fitter than both of us and doing cra- and learning how to fly fucking airplanes. Well, when I, saw the, when I saw the trailer for Top Gun Maverick, mm. I thought it was a prequel based on his face. <laughs> he is insane. Like, he is, yeah, no, he is just, the way that he looks... And there's that shot, as we were talking about off air, but like that shot of him it, the, when the plane takes the off off the, and it looks like he's flying the plane. And there's just a bit of you when it's Tom Cruise of gone, yeah, he probably just learned how to 100%. fly a military jet. It's yeah. probably why it's taken 30 years for the, the sequel. <laughs> Tom Cruise has been in Studying. a secret government flight program. <laughs> Uh, Big Lowe's classic boasts incredible shots of big wave surfers, dazzling skydiving sequences, but it's the push and pull of Keanu and Swayze's performances that make Point Break such a cult favourite. Skip the remake. Yeah, I agree. Oh my God, skip the remake. All right, so where does this sit in the matrix averse? Well, this is a perfect, isn't it? Like, you know, you're a cop. This is like very like basic sort of adventure. You've got a thing that you need to solve. The only- and, th- and then there's a series of like, adventures that again are like totally implausible situations for you to survive but i think the only difference between this and the other ones is that in point break his journey is not as easy like john wick the matrix you know he just like fly this one he he's more of a john mcclain type character where he's more human keeps stumbling up against opposition they get the bust wrong you know, he gets more drawn into an affair with Laurie Petty, gets distracted from the case. It's not as clear cut as shoot, kill, move forward. Well, if let's work on the premise that the years they came out are a sort of a chronological... Um, the Matrix trial. The, the yeah, Matrix trial Matrix. stages. Yeah. So like the earlier movies are more simple concepts and games, right? Yeah. Whereas like then they build up levels of complexity as they go and levels of competency of of running the simulations, I would have thought. Yeah. Okay. So that makes sense. Next film. <laughs> it does. It does. Uh, all right. Um, 
it is uh, a there's two of them, but it's not the one you think. It, there's two of them, but it's not. So it's Matrix. No, 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 no. no. So as in, it's a two-hander. There's two stars of this. Film, oh, Bill and Ted's. But it's not the ones you think. But it's not the one you think. Two famous actors in the lead role. It's a two-hander. Oh, I. Oh, sorry. Jeez, that was complicated. It was. It wasn't a good I really it was. was like... Again, Saddle of the Century, not called. I went in a complete... I was like, what is he talking about? Um, okay, how about this? Um, Viper Room. Uh, oh, okay. So, my own beautiful private Idaho. <laughs> my own private Idaho. <laughs> and there's a shot. I've just got to show you that. Like, Keanu and River. Yeah. There are certain men who are just like, of course they had to be in front yeah. of a camera. like, And of course they needed to make a movie where they were like gay lovers. Yeah. So that- <laughs> like the, the universe demanded it. Just make Get those kiss. two beautiful guys to kiss. Have you seen, have you seen Keanu Reeves and uh, 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 um, River Phoenix? Let's just get them to kiss. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. We don't have the script. It doesn't matter. <laughs> we'll, we'll write it as we go. It doesn't matter. We just get him to kiss. How are we going on that Keanu Reeves uh, River Phoenix kiss project? <laughs> Yeah, Project Smush. Uh, um, yeah, okay. so um, his name, of course, in uh, that movie was uh, Johnny Johnny Idaho. <laughs> <laughs> Just after he finished filming Point Break, Keanu started production on Gus Van Sant's My Own Private Idaho, an art house drama with his friend River Phoenix. It's a story about street hustlers inspired by John Ritchie's book City of Night, and Shakespeare's Henry's was a boundary pushing material was boundary pushing material at the time of its release and is now considered one of the seminal works of queer cinema. It was also a risk for the two pinup actors at the peak of their fame. When asked by Interview Magazine at the time whether he feared playing a male prostitute, if and it would, whether he was feared playing a male prostitute would hurt his image, he shot back, "Who am I? A politician?" Oh, he's so good. Keanu, no, no, he actually was a genuine question. <laughs> no, he was like, he's having like a real moment of existential crisis. Like as the interview was formulating the question, he's just sitting there like staring into space. <laughs> Who am I? Am I a politician? A politician? Like did he mean politician or did he mean that um, he didn't know what the, the character <laughs> in the movie was? <laughs> it's like... Keanu and Phoenix play two friends on the street, Scott and Mike. Mike is a narcoleptic, that's right, who fell into a stupor at inopportune times and is on the search for his mother, while Scott is a rich kid who ran away from his father to prove something, maybe to himself, Mm. maybe to his dad, maybe to nothing for no reason at all. (laughs) Essentially, Shakespeare's Prince Hal. Do you get that reference? Oh. I'm a nerd. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, I think that's Ma justifying her own credibility at this point. I would have thought the movie won plaudits for its rich character characterization and performances, especially a campfire scene in which Mike confesses his love for Scott, which I believe is "I just want to kiss you, man." That scene, you know that scene? Um, it's a bit like I just I can't quit you. It's a proto. I can't quit you. Yeah, and then Aerosmith's um, "I don't want to <laughs> miss a thing, thing." Place, right? All right, so the Matrix. You're gonna to have to try and just how does the why did the Matrix take it in this direction? That's an interesting question. Um, is that because it's early trials, and you said it came off the back of Speed, right? Yeah. So they've no, run uh, Point Break. So oh, it's point in, Break. It's in between Point Break and Speed. Okay, so early nineties. 
They've run point break. Yeah. And now they're, well, it's early days. They're experimenting with different ways of like, you know, so then it's like, well, maybe it's the, maybe they're just like, well, here's a good way to distract somebody. Yeah. Have you seen how River Phoenix is? Yeah. The Matrix, the Matrix in the supercomputer <laughs> brain of the Matrix was like, look, look, we've got these two pods. These two dudes <laughs> may be the best looking fucking dudes in the entire Matrix. Right. Let's just create a reality in which they kiss. I reckon that. Yeah, but what are the challenges to no. keep them distracted? Doesn't no. matter. Yeah, I think, I think, I think the Matrix made it happen for the very same reason the movie producers made it happen, and that we're all just like, should we get them to kiss? <laughs> it's like it's a big day on the Matrix. You know what? What's the point of having a Matrix if you can't make those two hot dudes kiss? Get them to kiss. All right. <laughs> okay, John Wick. After meandering in the land of B-grade movies for some time... Okay, hang on, sorry. Yeah, want she to wants to have a there. cuddle. Get in there, come on. Yeah. Ooh, all right, you're stepping on Keanu. Hang on. Whoa. All right. Okay, are you going to take a seat? I can't... So you gonna... Push it, push her into your lap. Come on. There you... Oh, there we go. There yeah. we go. All right. No, no. She's still... <laughs> just get comfy. Oh. <laughs> all right, I'll just keep going. I've got a dog standing on me. She's just... Oh, you want to... Hang on. How about this? I move. There you go. There you go. Lie down on the uh, cushion. <laughs> Slowly. Don't stiff, sniff my crotch. That's weird. I can't just... All right, this will do. After meandering in the land of B-grade movies for some years... We really need to video this podcast. Along came the role that would catapult Keanu back into the limelight, John Wick. Keanu got the script first and took it to his Matrix stunt double, Chad Stileski, who was looking for a directing project. I mean, this is why he's such a great guy. Like the dude he, you know, did a movie with a while back. Who probably expressed to him that I'd really like to get. Into, maybe sent him some shit that he. Right, directed. imagine that. Like you've got a stunt double. Like a lot of people would be like, "Well, that's just my stunt double." Yeah, you know what I mean? He's like beneath me. I'm the star. Yeah, he's the stunt double. Keanu's like listening to him when he's going. You know, I really want to direct. And he's not like sticking your lane, buddy. You're a stunt man. You're <laughs> yeah. Stunt man. Keanu just throws his coffee in his face. <laughs> what are you doing? You're my stunt double, ain't you? <laughs> you should be able to take that, you bitch. You get the fuck out of here. It's Keanu time. And then, That's the, alternate universe, and then the stunt Keanu. double uh, swings a punch at Keanu, but because he's a stunt double, he also <laughs> takes the punch and pretends it's Keanu. Kostaleski uh, teamed up with David Leach, another famed Hollywood stuntman, and the two of them crafted a thrilling, stylish action movie that took full advantage of Keanu's low-key acting instincts. <laughs> Which sounds like, that's like a generous description, right? Well, also it sounds like sus. It's yeah. like, hey, do you want to do some uh, low-key acting? Yeah. And his talent for stunt work. Now that's undeniable. Yes. Like he does his own stunts. He's 50 something whatever. Have you seen the uh, those, I mean, you probably would have, the YouTube ones where it's him on the shooting range where he's like practicing, doing his weapons training and he's just running around John Wicking it in real life. It's just shot on like an iPhone or something. No. Oh, you it's insane. He's at a shooting range where they've set up all these different targets and like a bunch of guns. So John Wick, essentially. So he is just running around, shooting, reloading, flipping it over his shoulder, grabbing a shotgun, bang, 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 drop that one, pull one from your pants, bang, bang, tunnel, you know, does a roll, grabs another one, bang, and like hitting all the targets. Like it's real life John Wick. We should watch that. Yes. <laughs> John Wick is a simple revenge thriller. A former assassin comes out of retirement when the son of a Russian crime boss steals his vintage car and kills his puppy. Uh, that his recently deceased wife bequeathed him. Wick is a one-man vengeance machine 
But what's really impressive about John Wick and the two sequels it spawned are its practical effects. What you see, the elaborately choreographed shot action and shot action sequences are real, not CGI, and it's jaw-droppingly good. We agree. Okay, We've, we don't need to matrixify that. We know how that works. Next film. Uh, for, um, uh, it's a series. Bill and Ted's yeah. ex- Excellent Adventure? And that's how she lists it, just as Bill and Ted's. Oh, Bill and Ted's. Yeah. Bracket series. It was the ultimate dumb buddy comedy well before Dumb and Dumber and or Wayne's World, but with added time travel. When I was a kid, I had a book that was like a film book, you know? It was like a collection of film reviews and just a whatever. And I remember it used to infuriate me because they talked about Wayne's World being a version of Bill and Ted's. Right. Which I think is a fundamental misunderstanding. I agree. They're completely different movies. Completely different movies. Fucking idiot. (laughs) I I absolutely hate that as well. You're like, they're so different. You've just said that because they're both kind of about... I don't know. Because they've got... Well, one of them Cause is Because like, they've got long hair and they say dude or something? Well, the, the thing I read was so dumb because it was like, uh, who's your favourite like stoner teenagers? You know, is it Wayne's World? And it's like, then Wayne's World aren't... Ten- that's the point. They're fucking in their 30s yeah. doing a show out of the basement. They're not... Te- How do you think they're teenagers? Right. <laughs> you fucking morons? None of the storyline makes sense of them being teenagers. No. Exactly. Fucking morons. Like, it's such a weird take on that movie because you're like mm. so is that teenager making out with that hot woman yeah is that teenager it makes no sense if these guys are teenagers they're not losers if they're teenagers yeah they're just teenagers they're teenagers who have a tv show yeah in fact they're, they're winning that's like that's a really strong extracurricular activity for teenagers do you know what i mean you got your own popular it's, TV. well it's not, such a lazy you know. reading of the, it's like i remember once i got so enraged i was at a friend's place and an ad for Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Slayer came up and he was like, Ugh, shows like that make you dumb. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> I can't remember how the argument went, but it finished with me talking about Animal Farm. <laughs> George, and I was like, oh, so I suppose that's just about a bunch of animals. Dude. It's a fucking Disney card, and you fucking moron. Look beneath the surface. Dig deeper. <laughs> Bill and Ted <laughs> are two dim-witted teenagers from California chasing their dream of musical superstardom. They just have to ace their history test first and if they don't, their band, the Wild Stallions, will never achieve success and create a utopian society through their jams. So, see, they have a... Man, a, a what, what, what did Bodhi apparently have? Bill and Ted, they've, they've got a philosophy. Which is what? Manifest destiny? Uh, yeah, well, no, but they, they, there ends up being a philosophy around... The wild stallions. Do you remember? It's like you know, it's a be excellent. They create world. It, it, their their philosophy is be excellent to each other party and on. party on, dudes. Yeah, right. Yeah. So they actually, yeah, they create basically a religion. Yeah, that's the inference. Anyway. Yeah, a utopian religion because it's only based on be excellent to each other and party on, dudes. I mean, I am very excited about this new Bill and Ted's film. Like I, we said on the other podcast, I just rewatched Bogus Journey, and I'm like, if they can re- if if they're not doing fan service, Force Awakens, you know whatever shit, but they actually logically take it to the next step that these two guys are middle aged, they've never achieved 
you know, the stardom that Wild Stallions were meant to do. And they, but still do that same kind of time traveling, cross dimensional comedy. I think it could be really good. Yeah, but absolutely. I'm I think it'll be good. I don't have any reason to, for me to actually say, but I just feel like, I just feel like it's going to be good. I feel like because they really struggled for a long time to get it made and they've taken a lower budget, they've probably got more freedom. I think if they get creative freedom, the problem will be if they try and dress it up as like a big studio thing and they want to please all quadrants. Like Bill and Ted's, but the first one and the second one, they're both weird films that are sort of strangely popular. Yeah, I agree. They're kind of quirky indie films, almost. 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 Yeah. But if you try and kind of... Like, you know, sometimes... Like, George Romero, when zombie films came back into vogue, they gave George Romero money in, like, 2005 to make Land of the Dead. And it was like, everyone was excited about zombies and, Sean, you know, Shaun of the Dead had come out and stuff. And everyone was talking about and 28 Days Later. And they sort of gave it to him to make. But it just sort of... It wasn't of its time. It was like, oh, yeah, you've just got the guy who created the genre. So I think it's got to be of its time. Like, they've really got to address all the sort of modern, you know, things like Spotify. What does music mean now? How could one band unite the world when you can access any kind of music? You know what I mean? That kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that'd be great. I'm looking forward and to your version of this movie. <laughs> and, a, and, a, and a jive-talking robot. <laughs> Film Dead 2, Dimwitted Teenagers from California have got to pass their history test. So in A Mystery from the Future, Rufus, George Carlin. Oh, okay. Did and that's what I mean as well about this before we get to George Carlin, rest in peace. Um, <laughs> well, just poured one out on the carpet. <laughs> um, as all comedians do. That is a sign of respect for the game, right? <laughs> yeah. Game, re- game respects game. Game recognizes game. Gag, re- respect gag. Um I am an unashamed fan of George Carlin's though, so there, there is a, an element of truth to what you're saying there. But um, no, what we were saying, oh, I like the premise of Bill and Ted's. This is like part of what you're saying about the quirky nature of it is mm. the whole premise is that they just have to pass the history test. Like they haven't over, it's not some sort of overthought end of world. It's not a Christopher Nolan to, type thing. No, layers upon it's layers. just like these teenagers who need to fail, you know, need to pass their history test and then, you know, get a time machine. You're hundred percent right. Cause I think that's the problem with films these days is they overcomplicate the ending and they yep. create too much shit when it's like, look, and then it all has to pay off. Yeah. We like these characters. Just give them a singular clear obstacle. And that's yep. what, don't give us like the, you know, how there's like triple endings now or they try and get too clever or whatever. I think it's just, and, and here's my one, one request, Will. No fan service. Don't be like throwing, like if you're going to do an like excellent or something, let's say it in a different way. Like what would there be a reason for these two middle-aged guys to do the air guitar now that, you know what I mean? Like something that is different rather than just hitting the notes that everyone loves, like the Maverick trailer or whatever. I want to see... We're all going to, it's going to be awesome to see those guys doing what they do as middle-aged men, but let's just sort of see a different take on it. Can we Fury Road it a little bit? You know what I mean? I, you're right that it, there will be temptation to... Fan service. Yeah, have those moments of those those little bits and pieces that make Bill and Ted, you know, Bill and Ted. Like, okay, for instance, at some point, 69, right? Yeah. That'll come into play. Like, could you do it in a way which is like... I don't know, maybe they no longer find that funny because they've got daughters now or there's something about it is this kind of, can you still bring it up 
you know what I mean? But sort of acknowledge the fact that it's not just dumb and dumber. Or could it be one of those people who's, with, with things like, he, you know, my dad died. He was only 69. And then they go, like, 69. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then go, but yeah, but, but he's dead. He's dead. He's real, he's, but he's dead. Right. Also, so, he's dead. You're in the writer's room. <laughs> we need this guy's jokes. That's great. I'm down for that. 69, that's the age my father was when he died. No, 69, dude. Yeah, but he's and I'm dead. Only 15 he's dead. Years, and I'm only 15 years younger than he, so I'll be dead in 15. Like, this is for comedy. It's really... I, I probably also die at 69. 69, dude. Yeah, but seriously. it's uh, Okay, so in a mystery from the future, Rufus. Now, I think we talked about in a previous episode, and maybe it was a listener suggestion, Dave Grohl. If you had to sort of recast like Son of Rufus or something? Uh, I think that they will be tempted uh, and I'm not sure how I would feel about it um, to go with like someone like a Mark Maron because I think Mark Maron oh, has yeah, like a modern day that. sort of George Carlin style. Is, isn't his daughter a comedian? Uh, George Carlin's daughter. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Could they go with her? Daughter of Rufus? Um, Rufus? I mean, that'd be pretty amazing. Is she? Does she have a similar like worldview? That, as no, I mean, and Kelly doesn't do a lot of acting, acting and okay. stuff either. So probably not. Um, there'd be a temptation to recast far away from the Rufus character, like, wouldn't there? Like, and you know what? Diversity as yeah. well. It'll be like, uh, uh, what's he say? Kevin Hart. It'll be. Um, Please don't be Kevin Hart. <laughs> Tiffany Haddish. Yes. Ah, there we go. Yeah. I don't know anything about her, but I no, no, no. But like, I mean, one of those off the moment people yeah. that, like, you know, is there. But I think Dave Grohl is like the perfect choice because he's think, rock and roll. That's the thing that makes because George Carlin was kind of a rock yeah. and roll comic. So you need someone. See Tiffany Haddish, I get it, but can we get like a rock and roll Tiffany Haddish? So um, who's like a female? Like, what about Janine? Is Janine Garofalo? There's no way they'd give it to her. No. Uh, what about if we're talking about like you know? A, a diverse, um, uh, you know, like in that sort of Tiffany Haddish thing, but you're talking about someone from the world of like music. Yeah. Uh, Rufus played by Cardi B. Ah, <laughs> oh, I like that. That makes sense. Because she, yeah, and I like that. She has that truth future, teller. She has that futuristic sort of <laughs> yeah, but she's look kind as well. Of, but she's kind of like, she's yeah. hilarious. She tells it as it is. As it is. Yeah. yeah and that's like a George Carlin. Yeah. yeah. No, I get that. Mate, you should be in the writer's room. Is it too late? Should we call Ed Solomon and the other guy? I follow him on Twitter, so I'm sorry to the other writer of Bill and Ted's. Okay. Uh, the boys take a time-traveling adventure to teach them a little something about history. In turn, they get to meet Napoleon, Billy the Kid, Joan of Arc, and Honest Abe. Keanu is super adorbs as Ted. Simple. What I also love about the people they meet, like again, about not overcomplicating this movie, is that there's no real rhyme or reason to the collection of people. No. Like, oh, yeah, 100%. What about it's just such a random selection of like, if you had a time machine and you're doing a history report, who would you go back? Like, and they're just a real, just weird bunch of like selections, I think. Yeah. I've always thought that. Uh, Keanu is super absorbed as Ted, simple, well intentioned, and constantly astounded. He's going to do it over again in Bill and Ted's sequel, slated for a 2020 release. Excellent. All right. Excellent. Where does this fit into the Matrix of Earth? Um, is, and, okay, so they haven't devised a Morpheus yet, but they realize that the Keanu, whoever Keanu is, the one, the Neo, responds better when he has a foil of some kind. 
So they've experimented with a Bodhi and they've experimented with the river. Well, the river thinks is just so they could kiss. We've established that. <laughs> oh, this is all right. Hang on. Now let's team him up with a guy Wait a minute. who Sorry. we don't want him to no, kiss. No, but this is the very first iteration. This yeah. is his first one. Oh, that's is, true. Yeah. So this is the very first. This makes sense. Yeah, that, they that's right. Quite worked out because they. they well, also it's basic. It's teenage. Yeah. So you like they're running a program of like almost like a memory style program, which yeah. is like take you back to a time where you, you know, felt more comfortable, but you didn't, you know, have the same, the only thing that you needed to worry about, the only task that you needed to achieve. Like we were talking about the very simplicity of the task itself, which is you just have to pass history, right? Yeah. To not be a center way to military college. Like this is, you know, and you've got a band, like these yeah. are pretty simple sort of basic, you know, things that you want to achieve. But then the time machine is the element of the matrix trying to go through that run through like yeah what are these responding or what's maybe like it's about here's what you your knowledge from high school is you're running yeah. a program of like well it's also the, the idea of i guess if the matrix is trying to say we need to give this person challenges yeah but i guess it's not good if you're having if you've got one of these pods to have like a ignorant like you need this thing to engage with the world around it. So you've got to educate it, stimulate it, you know, yeah. give it little challenges. Because it is like watching an educational film. You know what I mean? We're going to give you like the, you know, like the Disney Henson educational film here where you meet historical characters and then we're going to graduate you to more adult challenges. Well, there's probably through. some sort of like when you're developing a computer program that the simplicity of the sort of task and the way the task is executed you know, is both simple in the program and the subject matter. Mm. Like, you know, so you're trying to get it to like, teach the computer at first to do simple tasks, achieve simple things. So the, you know, you like Beethoven, just big names yeah, yeah, from yeah, history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like running through these, you know, sort of like very basic sort of, Yeah, you've got to collect. Essentially, it's just a, a collection game, isn't it? Yeah. It's like Pokemon or whatever, where it's just like, you know, they're all out there and you've just got to go and collect them in that sense. Just to go back to that point about fan service, thinking about Bogus Journey, because I watched it recently, <laughs> they did very little fan service in Bogus Journey to Excellent Adventure. It's almost like a completely different film in terms of they're a little bit older now, they're proposing to their girlfriends, and then rather than historical figures, they're going through kind of... First one is about the angst of being a teenager and you've got to pass a test, and then the second one's about the angst of mortality about being dead about facing death so that's what you want with this third one is like okay as a young adult you think about shit like i'm responsible now and no one can bail me out of it and that life is more than just fucking passing exams so i guess but also if you're a computer stimulation program simulation program but stimulation and simulation i guess um if you're running tests in the early days right how does the subject you know the rat in the cage how does the rat in the cage respond to well despite positive... all its rage yeah uh... it's still just a rat in the cage and then you smash some pumpkins <laughs> and you see how it feels about that <laughs> and, um so the experimental rat in the cage right yeah. you're you're running the experiment so let's just say there's the reward and there's the punishment scenarios right yeah you can run what's the best way to keep these people stimulated <clears throat> Is it during 
a positive reinforcement or is it during a negative sort of, you know, the other way? So yeah. you would give them both an excellent adventure yeah. and then yeah, juxtapose it with a bogus journey to see how the subject matter responded to those well, two there, things. There's a line right? in The Matrix where Agent Smith talks about the first versions of The Matrix were a utopia yeah. and we wouldn't accept them. We needed uh, challenges to overcome. So that would But it's also a bit of a red pill, blue pill scenario where you've got to make a choice between like, you know, the idea of like, you know, one way is an excellent adventure and one way is a bogus journey. Yeah. We can give death a wedgie. <laughs> <laughs> Great scene. Like, honestly, like I, I, what I was laughing just as hard, like three days ago as I have when I first saw it, like it is the imagination like the way that like death challenges them to a duel. Yeah, the rapping Grim Reaper. And like, yeah, but the way that like death is like, you can challenge me to yeah. a duel. It's like, you know, reference to the like seventh seal Fellini movie. And then that duel is battleship. And then when he loses that, it's like twister. And then when he loses that, it's kind of like electric hockey. It's just like brilliant. It would have been so much fun to just come up with those scenarios. Anyway, next film. Don't really need to dwell on this one, but it's the matrix. When the Wachowskis deb- debuted at the, debuted or debuted yep okay The Matrix it was an imaginative sci-fi extravaganza a ganza a ganza <laughs> a ganza I'm gonna look at a ganza <laughs> that blew our minds and had sir us... we've told you you've already failed your audition for Silent Century <laughs> and then... why are you still here in the office sir sir the car park is closed <laughs> sir. I'm just yelling through the producer's window <laughs> sir we don't want to have to sir Ah, be honest. For a year afterwards, I bet you thought every black cat you saw flickered. Just a little. No. As Neo, the chosen one, Keanu's zen energy was perfect for a character Mm. who could stand in for any one of us, which kind of dives up our own paranoia. The action sequences were astounding and fresh, giving audiences something they'd never seen before in live action outside of Japanese anime. You you don't get a higher concept of The Matrix with with its ambitious storytelling, but it may have believed its own hype just a tad too much because the sequels were confusing, pseudo-philosophical movies that were more pretentious than innovative. I think you and... Wendell Ma. Not Wendell, it's Wen Wensley. 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 Wensley Ma Wenley are on Ma. the same page. I've heard you say exact same thing about the Matrix sequels. Mm-hmm. Is that... Why is it your neighbour? Yeah. Yes. It's a screaming child of Do you know how much Keanu made from those films? Uh, from the Matrix films, yeah. $300 million. Lower. Lower. $200 million. Lower. $100 million. Bang on. Not impressed. Thought it would be three times as much. <laughs> Lift your game, Keanu. Mate, he gives half of it to charity. But fucking shit. old mate, Robert Downey Jr. was making like... Yeah, out of million for one movie. Out, out of the Marvel movies, made like inc- incredible amounts of money. I mean, I imagine that would maybe just his upfront fee. Three films. I oh, know that would. I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot of upfront. I mean, what twenty million is probably the max someone gets as an upfront fee, and then it's all like, it's all like points and shit, isn't it? I don't really know. It's not conversations I'm getting to have. Unfortunately. Next film. How do I give you a clue on this? Okay, um, comic book. It's a comic book. Um, and I would argue miscast. Spider-Man. <laughs> the Black Panther. Spider-Man. Black Panther. Wonder Woman. Uh, 
a, a miscast comic book character. Yeah, I mean, a bit, you know what? As a fan of the Weekly Planet, and fuck, haven't we given that show yeah. a real hand job over the last two yeah. episodes? No, it's a good show. But uh, this is one of James's favourite Keanu films. He has numerous times stated how good he thinks this Keanu film is. I'd, uh, like, I'm going to say Johnny mid- Mnemonic. No, mid 2000s, early mid 2000s, supernatural. Um, oh, um, oh God. based on a DC character. Yes, Con- Constant- English. Constantine. Constantine. Do you know much about Constantine? <sighs> He's a paranormal detective. So I watched the TV show. The TV show. I have seen the movie, but I I don't remember anything. I don't remember like enjoying like I have heard James say that on the mm. podcast, and each time he says it. Like, I'm like, oh, really? I remember a scene where a demon gets caught in a mirror or something and then gets smashed. But also, yeah, Constantine, I think, is meant to be like a pale, red-headed English bloke, isn't yeah. he? So, I, mean, I think he's based on Sting. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, Keanu, Sting. When recently asked in an interview with Variety which character he would most like to play again, Keanu said, Constantine. <laughs> Adding that he had a blast with the role and the world created in Francis Lawrence's supernatural comic book movie. Constantine is a damned soul trying to buy his way into heaven by banishing rogue demons back to hell. Oh, I mean, that's... Like, what kind... So you're a damned soul, right? So mm. God said to you, like, you're either... Damn you! Eternity on earth or eternity in hell or whatever. And you're thinking, okay... Well, earth, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> if, if, if there's a choice. <laughs> I, I didn't realize there was a choice. It's like God is the world's worst <laughs> negotiator. It's like how much do you, you want for that? Damned hundred dollars. I'll give you eighty. Make it sixty. Sold. <laughs> you know, it's essentially the way you put it was. You can have it for a hundred, or you can have it for sixty. Sixty? Is it okay if I have it for sixty? He becomes involved in trying to stop an end of days plot. So just hang on. Tell me again, though, because no, you were asking me an interesting question before I was silly about it, which was oh, that yeah. so God said, God said damn you're, you. You're out. So you yeah. fucked up. Yeah. You're, you're a banished soul. You're on the outer. And so what is the... your His, his, his idea to get back into heaven is banishing rogue demons back to hell. Okay. So, he, yeah, so he's come back to earth. Yeah. And he's like... Uh, I need to You prove- know what, demons? I'm going to... If I if enough, I lock up enough demons, yeah. eventually God will see that I'm uh, I've but made up for what I've done. If you were God, do you respect that? Like, if I'm like, I'm God, right? I'm yeah. like, we'll get out of the podcast. <laughs> no, get out of the podcast. You're not you're not putting enough effort in the podcast and get out. And then I start hearing you outside, like podcasting really well with like you know you're out there talking to the dogs, <laughs> neighbor, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, you know what? He's actually winning me over. Like, or do I'm like, well, fuck it. Why didn't you bring that game when you're in? I don't think that's an accurate. <laughs> I don't think that's an analogy. <laughs> My hastily compiled uh, being God is like being a podcaster. I don't think that <laughs> is accurate because. <laughs> Because he hasn't <laughs> been damned to hell because he wasn't good, working hard enough well, maybe, punishing or banishing demons. Or being a good enough person. Yeah, but but he's not being back being a good person. He's back banishing demons. Like the, the point of Constantine isn't some Groundhog Day sort of thing where John Constantine is suddenly trying to be the nicest guy in the world or help everybody. He's not. He's in the demon banishing business. Well, that's what I mean though. But like by... 
doing a good job. He's like, look, I'm worthy of being in your company again. Like, well, you know you what? You stand he, against evil. I stand against evil. Well, you know what he is. He's a guy who works for who gets sacked from working a a cleanup crew, mm. right? You know, they're a crew that's like, and then he, what he does when he gets sacked from that cleanup crew is that he gets there early in the morning and they see him and he's already there cleaning up. Yeah. And after a while, and he's cleaning up for no reason, for no money. Yeah. He's just doing it to prove that he knows that things need to be cleaned up. And then eventually the crew's like, you know what? Look at this. He's obviously sorry for the mistakes that he's made. He's helped clean up. You know, we should... Well, as God, do you respect that? Uh, Or do you think it's pandering? (laughs) Because I think I think it's pandering. Early on, I'd think it was pandering. That's why you have to do it for a while. Right. You'd have to. You'd you have to really prove make to him me. Work for it. Yeah, exactly. It's like well, it's like from Fight Club. You know, where they had to go and stand outside the door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Get out of here, you yeah. loser. Yeah. You fat. But eventually. Get but eventually. Ugly. Yeah. Yeah. So it's essentially that's God, their God's te- testing his resolve. Yeah. But he has to rock up every day and stand outside the door and take the abuse. And God and, does do that. Isn't he like, yeah. kill your son if you love me and some sh- weird twisted shit? I don't know why you, who went to Catholic school, keep asking me questions about God. Uh, John Constantine becomes involved. In, so how many characters? He's been a John, he's been a Jack, he's been a... He's been every player on the Johnny. Kilda. He's been a John, a Jack, a Johnny. And a Johnny. <laughs> uh, he becomes involved in trying to stop an end of day's plot after Rachel Weiss's... But also, her. how is John Constantine any better or worse a name than Johnny Utah? I don't feel like the article... Because uh, I think John Constantine in a comic book universe makes sense. But you want us to believe that this wave surf... Oh, you're right. <laughs> wave surfing, skydiving, copies of Johnny Utah. That makes perfect sense. You're right. 100% right. Uh, <laughs> he's got to stop an end of day's plot after Rachel Weiss's Angela asks... Oh, she's called Angela. Uh, asks for his help to investigate the apparent suicide of her twin sister. Constantine sounds like an oddball, not for everyone premise. What with its angels, demons, and exorcists, but at least one person likes it, and that's James from the Weekly Planet. <laughs> <laughs> but visually, it's very impressive with the hyper-stylized aesthetics, which you hate. It also has a great cast with Tilda Swinton, Peter Stamere, Gavin Rossdale. Gavin Rossdale. That's right. He's in that film. Yep. And a young Sher- Sherebrick. You know, they Sherebrick. said of his acting in that film that uh, one in the film was worth two in the bush. Uh, sh- if someone wants to like our Sherub. younger listeners, Gavin Rossdale was in a band called Bush. Sherub, Sherubic, Sherubic, Cherubic, Cherubic, Shia Labouf. Who knows? Now that Keanu, Shia pub- Labouf is in it. A young Shia Labouf. Yeah. Now that Keanu has publicly expressed an interest in a sequel, and with his enormous goodwill at the moment, we mm. may finally get a uh, Constantine too. Uh, okay, where's this sit in the Matrix verse? They've gone supernatural for some reason. So they're bringing elements of... You know what the Matrix hasn't done before? Is bring in religion. Right. Bring in the idea of religion. You know, and religion can be as much of a, a trap as anyone. But again, <clears throat> on an improbable, thankless task that has no resolution, isn't it? Mm. I mean, this is literally the expelling of demons. Constantly having to like, yeah. you know... Face, for, for a reward that's not guaranteed. Face another demon for a reward that there's no guarantee of. God's never said this is actually what you need to do. And there is also another element to Constantine, I'm pretty sure. I think he has cancer. Oh, yeah, I think you might be right. So there's an Something. element of like ticking time, which again is the video game thing. He needs to get redemption before he dies. Easy. Well done, Matrix. You fooled me. <laughs> that's what I said after... 
uh, 18 years of Catholicism. I was like, wait a minute, this <laughs> is all bullshit. Hang on. Well done, Catholicism. <laughs> you fooled me. Man, put my life in danger at certain points. Okay, a scanner darkly. You haven't... Oh, shit, I should let you guess that one. Is it a scanner That's darkly? A... <laughs> yeah. Again, sir, the auditions are over. <laughs> it's time for you to go home. You haven't seen Keanu Reeves. <laughs> Is it the answer you just said? <laughs> Fuck! <laughs> sir! Charlie, look. We gave you a third audition because your manager begged us to. But here's the thing. The answer comes after the question. <laughs> really doesn't work. Right, just... I got it. I got, okay. it. Okay. I got it. I got it. Let me just, just so I'm clarifying. I feel like an idiot. Yeah. All right. So it's question, answer, right? Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. okay. Next one. <laughs> Ram Stoker's Dracula. Fuck! <laughs> All right. It's kind of darkly. You haven't seen Keanu Reeves until you've seen him rotoscoped. Uh, Sentences. Yeah, well, this, that... is, this is classic Matrix yeah. simulation. This is when it? the Matrix is down for maintenance. Yeah. They did not have the pixels <laughs> to f- do fully realize and like, okay, tell it. All right, well, let's read what it's about yeah. because I've never seen it. <laughs> Richard Linklater took Philip K. Dick's semi autobiographical, filmed Keanu, Robert Downey Jr., Woody Harrelson, and Winona Ryder, then animated their performances. As its title suggests, there is themes. Uh, there is a darkness that runs through a scanner darkly, which is uh, part of the course for a dick story, especially one that is mined from his own experiences with drugs. Uh, so I think it's got a... I mean, rotoscope is basically where they draw over a filmed image. Yes. So I say it's like drawings and animation over uh, uh, celluloid. So it has a kind of psychedelic kind of feel to it. Keanu's character is another undercover cop going gonzo in his assignment. Another undercover cop. The Matrix is yep. running like, low on resources, yep. don't have the pixels. Yeah. They They're the recycling a... The algorithm. Yeah, exactly. This time, a drug den, in a drug den with his roommates, the men spend most of the day engaged in paranoid conversations, Matrix. Yeah. They're leading to it. About the nightmarish world in which 20%... Oh, no, it came after the Matrix. So it makes sense. They're recycling the Matrix. Okay. Came yeah. in the 2000s. The men spend most of the day engaged in paranoid conversations about the nightmarish world in which 20% of the population are addicted. Hmm. Social media. Precursor. Despite the subject of the source material, it's a comparatively subtle movie, but it does require you pay attention. Boo! Boo! (laughs) Pay attention. (laughs) Shut up. This is dumb. Pay attention to this. (laughs) Boo! (laughs) What's going on? Fights, 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 fights. Shoot someone in the head. It's been at least Kill an hour. Kill his dog. Get him to shoot someone. <laughs> no horses kicked no one in the face. Boo. Kill someone with a horse. Uh, all right. Where does this fit into the matrix? I think we've answered that. That's yeah. What's, that's easy. It's Yeah. The matrix is down. Down for maintenance. Yeah. It's post-matrix. It's recycling so many old sort of themes about the matrix that have come before. All right. This last one. Yeah. Is a tricky one. Bram Stoker's Dracula. No, that was just me being improvident. It is an art house movie. It precedes Bill and Ted's and it involves the name of another beautiful man. It's an art house movie that precedes Bill Bill and and Ted's. Ted's and it has the name of another beautiful man in it. In the title. Oh, so yeah, but is this a real man or just a, a real man? 
a real man that Keanu may have an association with. Johnny Newmoney. No. <laughs> River's Edge. <laughs> well done. The River's Edge was Keanu's fourth movie, but it was his breakout. Only 21 years old when it came out. It's clear from this early performance that we were in the presence of a star. I'm not sure that I've ever seen The it's River's good. Edge. It's uh, like a teen drama. It's about a, a, a body is found. It's not, uh, it's not like... Not um, Stand, Stand By, by Me. Me. No. A body is found by the river. I think Keanu... It's either Keanu... And then they fuck it. What weird. <laughs> that's, that's, weird. Weird. that's actually the plot of Long Ted's 3. <laughs> so we're by a river. What? <laughs> the casting director said she knew he had presence from the moment Keanu walked mm, through her door. Easier to say now. Yeah, the movie starred indie darling Ioni Sky, who was married to a beastie boy and is now married to Ben Lee, I believe. Correct. I was at a party with her not long ago. Yeah, yeah, she's a... I, I have met her a few times. I yeah, think she right. might have even come and seen one of my shows when I was in LA. Nice, very... They're nice people. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I said to her, we could be friends. You know what? The sky's the limit. Oh, and she said, I only want to <laughs> go home with Ben. <laughs> uh, also stars uh, George McFly. McFly, Crispin Glover. And Daniel Robeck. I don't know how he got into that fucking list of mentions. Who's Daniel Roebuck? I don't know. Obviously someone who was much more popular back then. A uh, group of teens trying to cover up a murder that one of them committed. I think it's Keanu who commits oh. the murder. It's a Spoilers. moody piece. Oh, <laughs> River's Edge, 40 years old. <laughs> it's a moody piece that traffics in the fallout of a crime of a close group of friends. Um, so how does that fit? What's what? Are the, what is it? This is the Matrix. Well, it makes sense. Matrix first attempt. Right. They're like, we'll give him a murder mystery. Yeah, to deal with. Or is it? But is is he? The, if he's the killer, maybe it's about covering up. They make him feel guilty. They make he'll, him his feel like he's the guilt one. Things. I'm gonna Google quickly. Rivers Edge. And find yeah, out let's find is. out what it's about. Rivers Edge <laughs> is not about the world's second most beautiful man, River Phoenix. Uh, is there but it is about Rivers here? Cuomo from Weezer. <laughs> Weezer. All right, here we go. Your internet is coming back into vogue and it's gone again. It's coming and going. Here oh. we go. Now it's coming. All right, Rivers Edge, 1986 independent film directed by Tim Hunter, uh, starring blah 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 blah. Dennis Hopper also has a role in it. It follows a group of teenagers in Northern California who are forced to deal with their friend's murder of his girlfriend and subsequent disposal of their body. Uh, the screenwriter partially based the script on a real-life case, the murder of Marcy Renee Conrad in California. Shot in Los Angeles in 86. It premiered at Toronto International Film Festival. Mm -hmm. It was classed by several critics as a contemporary ho horror film. I mean, I don't think like a literal horror film, but just in terms of how dark it was as a horror film. Contemporary film scholars have noted River's Edge as an example of the killer kid film. As one of the most polarizing youth-oriented films of the 1980s, in a 2015 retrospective, Salon deemed it as the darkest teen film of all time. The film features an original score by Jürgen Nepper. Oh, okay. <laughs> as well as a soundtrack featuring songs from various punk and metal bands, including Slayer, Agent Orange, and The Wipers. Okay. So in Northern California, an adolescent boy, Tim, throws a doll into the river. On the opposite bank, he sees a teenager, John, smoking a cigarette. doesn't say who, everyone, who anyone is, though. This is not going to help us. Oh, yeah, here we go. So Canaries is Matt. Okay, Matt. What's his last name? Does it say? No. So anyway, John, Tim sees John smoking a cigarette. Um, they haven't uh, 
Tim encounters an underage John arguing with the clerk over buying beer. Tim returns home to find his brother Matt and mother are searching for his little sister's doll. Lane arrives and picks up Matt and the two of them drive to the home of Feck, a neurotic ex-biker and drug dealer to buy marijuana. Feck. On the car ride there, Lane recounts a party from the night before where she and John and Jamie were arguing. At school, Lane and Matt smoke with their friends Clarissa, Maggie and Tony. Cool. <laughs> Matt talks about wanting to run away to Portland. Oh, he's ahead Portland. of his time. Yeah. yeah. Which Clarissa dismisses, dismisses. John arrives, who is the guy who is nervously smoking in the riverbank, and mentions that he killed Jamie, his oh, girlfriend. Shit. Clarissa how you, and how Maggie. You bring that up? Clarissa and Maggie think he's joking. Because <laughs> I got the tone wrong on that one, guys. <laughs> and leaves for class. Be, seriously, no, seriously, guys. I, I really killed her. He brings Lane and Matt to view her body. Matt is disturbed while mm. Lane is focused on covering well, up Lane the crime. Lane is turned up. <laughs> The group all plan to go see Jamie's body that evening, which Clarissa assumes is a practical joke. There's a lot of people thinking like yeah. bad senses of humor in this town. Yeah, yeah. I have cancer. <laughs> <laughs> I guess this fits into the pantheon of 80s films about teens looking at dead bodies, right? Yeah, exactly. This, uh, Stand By Me. And Weekend we're gonna be- <laughs> An older acquaintance, Mike agrees to drive them in his truck and they each see Jamie's body for themselves. Later that night, Clarissa calls Matt, but he's reluctant to talk to her. Meanwhile, Lane goes back to the scene and pushes Jamie's bodies into the river. Later, while driving with John, he notices police cars near John's house. Lane panics, but John remains calm. They drive to Feck's house, that's the biker, and Lane leaves John there to hide. Meanwhile, Matt, Counter Reeves, directs police to the river where they find Jamie's body washed up on the shore. Matt is subsequently interrogated by police, I didn't do it, okay? Okay, so he didn't do it, but he's been accused of a crime he didn't commit. Exactly. So that's a perfect simulation for the Matrix, right? How does someone react when they're Injustice. put into a, like a... It's like you on the plane. Yeah, exactly, right? Write a show about it. Yeah. <laughs> right. They're going to charge him with being an accessory. No, they know he didn't do it. Okay. They're going to charge him with being an accessory after the fact. Okay. Matt returns home with his mother and her boyfriend and then gets into a fight with Tim, hitting him in the face. After Tim and his friend Moko steal Moko's... He's fucking Moko. Moko. Steal their father's car, they drive to Fex. It's in the middle of the night... Hey, we're going to go in Moko's car over to Fex. <laughs> Bermuda, Bahama, Dama, pretty mama. We're going down to Moko. <laughs> Oh, boy. In the night, Lane, Clarissa, and Matt drive to Tony's house, but Tony's father chases them off with a shotgun. Lane argues with Clarissa and kicks her out of the car. Matt gets out and walks with her. They stop at a convenience store, and they run into John and Feck. Tim and Moko, uh-huh, Bermuda, Bahama, <laughs> break into Feck's house and search for a gun, but find his stash of marijuana instead. They each get stoned. Nice. <laughs> you can understand this. Yeah, man. I love this movie. <laughs> they get, I love it. It's fucking one of their friends has been accused of murder. Police are looking for him. Oh, a bunch of weed. You know what? That, that's we'll take the edge off. Yeah, Do you know what I mean, it's a highly stressful situation. You know what would be good right now? Some weed. Oh my god, we found some weed. This is awesome. <laughs> Matt and Clarissa go to park to a park to talk, where they confide of their mutual apathy over Jamie's murder. Oh jeez. Meanwhile, John and Feck have their rivers head to the river's edge to drink beer. Feck discusses a murder he committed years prior of his oh, own girlfriend. Okay. And John drunkenly begins to brag about killing Jamie, recounting he's strangling her to death with who, relish. Who in this... With relish? Yeah. No, I don't think he strangled her with relish. Oh, okay. As in he relished it. Right. Matt and Clarissa have sex in the park. Mm. Look at these teenagers. I know. And then they steal someone's bin. Yeah. <laughs> While Lane drives around in a panic, compulsively taking pills. As dawn falls, 
John is asleep on the riverbank and Feck shoots him in the head. So the biker shoots him in the head. He returns to his home where Tim and Moko accost him and steal his gun. Police find Lane unconscious in his car and bring him in for questioning. At school, news reporters interview Maggie and Tony. He seemed dis- dispassionate. During history class, uh, the teacher discusses morality and asks Clarissa what Jamie meant to her in front of the class. She doesn't respond. Lane calls Feck's house asking where John is and Feck tells him he's gone to the river. In the middle of the phone call, police break down Feck's door. The group of teenagers go to the river together and Lane's body find, and Lane finds John's body nearby. Tim arrives at the scene with Feck's gun and threatens to kill Matt for hitting him the night before. Hey, all right, like Tim, chill. <laughs> there's fucking bigger fish to fry. Yeah, Just because Keanu punched you in the face. There's a lot of shit going on. This is clearly the Matrix has not worked out structure very well. No, this is just like, keep throwing shit <laughs> at it. The guy is... punched in the face. Get him in there. Moko effects. <laughs> Moko takes the car and uh, Tim arrives, uh, threatens to kill Matt, but Matt ta- talks him out of it. The police arrive and escort the teenagers away as medical examiners remove John's body. In the hospital, Feck admits to killing John because there was no hope for him. Mm-hmm. And confesses to his girlfriend, his girlfriend's met her the years prior. Later at Jamie's funeral, each of the teenagers show emotion during the wake. Wow. So it's a comedy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I imagine there might be some comedy in that sort of where they all get stoned and fuck in the park. <laughs> On casting Keanu Reeves, the casting director, Carrie Fraser, recalled he walked in the door and I went, Oh my God, this is my guy. It was just because of the way he held his body. His shoes were untied, and what he was wearing looked like a young person growing into being in a man. I was over the moon about him, as we all are. And then I looked at a picture I had of River Phoenix and said, one day, <laughs> we'll make them one kiss. day I'm going to make them kiss. All right, have we got time for a couple of letters? Uh, maybe, well, we, we've done an hour and a half. Okay, so let's do one letter. Yeah, one letter. And this is, all right, so this one letter better be good enough to get a sticker pack. Otherwise, you'll never have better odds than this. You're not competing against anyone. So, Maddie, no pressure, but maybe you'll win a sticker book okay. with this letter. Hi, Will and Charlie. Oh, she's lost me already. Uh. Let me cut straight to the point. Do you guys watch The Handmaid's Tale? Oh. Uh. No. Oh, that's a good, sh- quick letter. Send her a sticker back. Um, I watched the first season. I have, I'm a few episodes into the second season. I have not watched the third season. Okay. If yes, why do you never talk about it? If no, what's wrong with you? It's fucking amazing. I avoided it a while because I thought it was a period piece. My God, I was wrong. But last year, a colleague introduced me to it. Now I'm all in great feminist writing. It's been criticized as being too violent, but everything that happens in it has either happened in history or is happening now, and it's shockingly contemporary. Anyway, I guess my point is, if you don't want it, then you're missing out. So get on board and start talking about it on TOEFOP. Love the show. No address. Fuck! Sam. Hey, Will and Charlie. Thanks so much. Have you watched any of The Handmaid's Tale? Uh, no, I've read the book and I watched the first couple of episodes and I liked it, but I just didn't get into it. I liked the first season a lot. I've, I've found the second season hard going and I'm hearing reports that the third season isn't right. fantastic. So, right. But Gemma likes it. She yeah. watches it. But no, I'm not. Uh, does, hey, she ever, does she ever seem angrier at you afterwards? <laughs> Hey, Will and Charlie. This is from Sam. Thanks so much for the use of content. It's hard to remember what I did with my time before podcasts. You're in the Matrix. That's why. One of my new favorite pods is the phone hacks with Mike Goldstein, Nick Kappa. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I love even more was when my podcast worlds collide. In a recent episode, when the Nick's was private messaging, uh, was it what one of the mix was a private message from Mike G to Charlie, praising Charlie for his body and his commitment to his fitness regime. <sighs> 
Just wondering if Charlie received the message. I don't think I did. As in a following-up episode, it was mentioned that no reply had been received. Hmm. So do you know what the Phone Hacks podcast is? So they get someone on and they... So there's various challenges. So it'll be like, you know, and a lot of them are on social media or whatever. So it'll be that sort of thing of going like, I challenge you to what... Yeah, so what Mike would have done is like, I'm going to message Charlie Clawson and really seriously compliment him about his fitness and blah, blah. And then they, you know talk about what they've done in the response but they often get guests on to post like really like often on facebook if you see something you go that seems really out of character or whatever <laughs> yeah right you know it's it's probably from phone hacks all oh, right and um so obviously they've sent you a message and I you've just not seen it or ignored i don't know I'm it or just, yeah. i've told that story before where um uh, uh a little dum dum club asked me uh to be a guest on a show and i got it a year and a half after they sent it because <laughs> I didn't know that you could get like messages from people you weren't friends with on Facebook and I'm the same with Instagram so uh, apologies out there if there was anyone sending me messages I don't really check my messages on Instagram yeah. or anything like that so uh, uh, what was unprankable it? yes there's no question it was just like hey yeah. well done your body looks awesome and my commitment to my fitness regime cool alright I'll take that Awesome. I guess the comedy would be in perhaps your response. Right. If Oh, do you think they're trying to bait me? You think it was a catfishing expedition? Well, I think it's not necessarily catfishing, but it's they they're fishing. Right. Re- regardless of what Well, they wanted me to like send them like, hey man, this is my yeah, you know, thanks for the compliment. Yeah, you know, nice. I try and uh, work out as much as I can. I yeah. like a bit of protein after breakfast and then do you, you, like do, to suck you dick? blast your quads. <laughs> yeah. I mean I mean, I have no doubt they go into it with like honest intentions, but if I did send them like a solicitation. <laughs> Just like, yeah, man. Is that gold? Your DTF? <laughs> uh, okay, so that uh, Sam has no address either. Let's just go one okay. last one. No addresses in any of these. All right, this is the last one. And no addresses. So no sticker packs. No sticker packs for you. Sally says, hey, Tofop, for your information, the fluffy marshmallows, ice vovos, you remember, are actually strawberry mallows by Paradise. They were definitely superior to the Arnott's hard flat ones. So that mystery has been solved. <sighs> Should we do one more? See if we can give away a sticker pack. Okay. Okay, sorry. This is a bit longer. Okay, Chris. Chris. Uh, all right, brilliant. Got an address. Uh, all right, we've already read that one and I sent you one. <laughs> <We're done. laughs> if you want to support the show... Go to patreon.com forward slash tofop. Uh, there's a lot of bonus content there. So you're not getting, it's not money for nothing. You're getting this podcast for free, but then you get even more content on the podcast. You can go to our YouTube channel, Tofop TV. There's a web series, Lessons for Life. There's Q&As with Will and I. There's a bunch of great stuff. There's even a whole podcast up there. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter, on Facebook. If you want to send us a message, the best way to do that. Uh, the clips on our YouTube channel, the little uh, Tofop. Uh, no, I should put them up there. Yeah, they, they're on our Instagram, be but they're not on our yeah i'll do that good good call will uh, well i mean you know i did just ask are they yeah like <laughs> clearly showing that i have no idea what yeah i really know so. but you're right I, I should have thought of putting them on youtube our youtube channel yeah. <laughs> the, that video content we've been creating yeah. should possibly put is that video on content a video we've platform. been creating on our video platform Fuck it, we are, how can we be so bad at this after fucking 10 years you're right like i honestly and i'm not this is not even a bit you're right I should have been uploading those clips to our YouTube channel. And um, I just haven't. Our specific video content that we have put together. Is there... Should we post that to YouTube, do you think? What is wrong with me? 
We're paying a guy. We're taking some of our money from Patreon. We're paying an animator yeah. to create these videos for us. To make these and videos. And I'm just not releasing them. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm an idiot. No, you know what? I'm releasing them. Up. Have you seen those Tobot videos? Uh, oh, where do you see them? Well, I assume you probably just go to their YouTube or whatever. No. no. <laughs> to be honest, we, we're making them like they're formatted for Instagram. We're putting yes. them on our Instagram accounts because we... We have more followers on Instagram than we do on YouTube. I but agree. Right. It should but be as a resource of where somebody could actually find it if they'd heard it was funny or whatever. Yeah. YouTube. All right, I'll get uh, under that this week. <laughs> I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean... If you want, it's up to you.